In this quick hit, a former Beatle hits number one on the charts with a very spiritual song, then is promptly sued over it. What was the song and why was he sued? Also, we will take a look at the prolific film director Alan Smithy and why no one has ever seen a photo of him. Stay tuned. You're listening to a 3324 podcast quick hit with Dean Legiro, where Dean shares stories and trivia about his favorite chart hits, actors, movies, and more. Welcome to this 3324 podcast quick hit. I'm Dean. For our first story, we need to set the Wayback Machine to 1970. The Beatles had broken up and the world was still reeling from the news that the Fab Four were no more. The rhyme wasn't intentional, but hey. In November 1970, George Harrison would release All Things Must Pass, his epic three-album masterpiece. Harrison had a heavy backlog of material, as he was usually relegated to only a song or two at the most on Beatles albums, with of course the White Album being the exception. This outpouring of creativity would make All Things Must Pass an instant classic, but would also give him the distinction of being the first ex-Beatle to hit the top spot with a solo song. My Sweet Lord spent 14 weeks on the charts and hit number one on the day after Christmas in 1970. My Sweet Lord puts words to George Harrison's faith and his ongoing desire for a more direct relationship with God. It didn't take long for listeners to hear something familiar about the song, and in February of 1971, Bright Tunes Music filed a lawsuit alleging copyright infringement and that the song was a little too close in sound and composition to the song He's So Fine. That was written by the late Ronnie Mack and performed by the Chiffons in 1963, with the group going all the way to number one with it. When the similarity was pointed out, George Harrison stated, Why didn't I realize? As he had admitted that he was familiar with He's So Fine, but also stated he was inspired by a different song called Oh Happy Day. But that sounds like He's So Fine as well. The case finally went to court in 1976. And the judge ruled that George Harrison did indeed plagiarize He's So Fine, albeit subconsciously, and the judge didn't believe that he did it deliberately. The case would not be worked out until 1981, with monetary damages totaling close to $1.6 million, but that amount was eventually reduced to $587,000, due to some underhanded legal wrangling by Harrison's former manager. He actually bought the rights to He's So Fine in an attempt to sell it to George Harrison and make a profit. They say there are no new ideas under the sun, but sometimes artists can get a little too close to someone else's work and, well, Vanilla Ice and Queen can tell you the rest of that story. Up next, Alan Smithy has close to 50 film and TV directing credits, but no one's ever seen him. The Amazing Story of Why is up next. We'll be right back. Filmmaking is the ultimate collaborative effort. Actors, producers, screenwriters, editors, on-set crew, and countless others contribute to what is supposed to be the vision of the leader of it all, the battlefield commander of the project, the director. The director's vision is what drives the production, working with actors, keeping producers at bay over budgetary concerns, and ensuring that hundreds of other crew members all coalesce into one functioning unit with the one goal of creating something special. But sometimes there are things that get in the way of a director's final vision. And that's where Alan Smithy comes in. In 1969, the film Death of a Gunfighter was directed by two filmmakers, Robert Totten and Don Siegel. This was because lead actor Richard Widmark was not happy with Totten 
and was able to have him replaced with Siegel. Don Siegel had only worked a few days in the director's chair and would state that Richard Widmark really was the driving force behind the film. As a result, neither director wanted to take credit for the film. As such, a pseudonym needed to be created, and it needed to be a name that would be somewhat uncommon. Thus, Alan Smithy was born. A director that was dissatisfied with their film for one reason or another, be it the final edit, studio interference, or any other reasons, could now appeal to the Directors Guild of America, or the DGA, to have their name removed from the film. But they would also then be restricted from discussing their involvement as well. Before 1969, there was a reluctance to allow a director to use a pseudonym, as it was feared that producers would use it to inhibit directors from having their work recognized as being theirs, and then prevent them from creating a recognizable body of work. Some notable Alan Smithy films include Hellraiser Bloodline, National Lampoon's Senior Trip, The Birds 2, and Solar Crisis, among others. Alan Smithy has also been used in TV as well. When edited versions of feature films are shown on TV, directors will ask to have their name removed as it does not represent their original artistic vision. The DGA retired the name officially around 1997, but it's still used here and there and has also been used on projects outside of the purview of the DGA, and writers have used it as well. So there you have it, the prolific career of Alan Smithy, the director who sits in an empty chair. This has been Dean with your 3324 podcast quick hit. We will see you on the flip side. This has been a 3324 podcast quick hit. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. So please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important, so please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 